Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the only podcast that could start off with, you know, having the biggest upset in the NFL in 40 years. And instead, we're going to have a brief discussion about Die Hard. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. And in the pre-show, which our Patreon and, you know, Money Value members got a hold of, um, we were talking about Die Hard and how Die Hard Live with a Vengeance or Die Hard Live Free or Die Hard gets the DC completely wrong. And I said offhandedly that Die Hard with a Vengeance is my favorite, followed by Die Hard 1. And then Scott felt like this needed to go on the pod. So I don't even know what Scott's response is, but please. I, I, don't, I don't think that any sane person could not put those two, one and two. In okay. Order. I mean, I think that's, that's clear. I was worried you were like, going to like really just like shoot me in the head over this. And I got, <laughs> I got some terrible faux pas, but <laughs> see my, my one and two are different, but the same. They're just those two movies in the, the other in the, order. in the other order. Okay. Yes. That's, that's fine. I, I think that they're close enough that like, and I think also it depends on kind of when you saw them and, and you know, like, I feel well, like I, I might, and you were, Right. I feel like I even saw Die Hard with a I think I saw Die Hard with a Vengeance before I saw Die Hard, the original. Um so right. that might have been the whole reason. But sure. and I think and we were I mentioned Timothy Oliphant when we were talking about Live for Your Die Hard. The villain tends to make the movie for me, which is why I love Alan Rickman, I love Jeremy Irons, and I think that's those alone make those, you know, one right. two to me. Uh, her, with that. Her, and I always think that her. was the movie where Jeremy Orange is like, now is your time to die. But that was actually Dungeons and Dragons. But he should have said that <laughs> Die Hard with the Vengeance. <laughs> well, that would they would have had to pay the Dungeons and Dragons people a lot of money for that. So they could just, you know, Die Hard doesn't have that kind of money, that franchise. Um, no, I mean, I feel like the third one is definitely fantastic. It's a great movie. They're both fantastic movies. Let's be clear. I think the third one, at sometimes it crosses the line into camp just a little bit. Okay. Just a teensy bit too much. Very yeah. funny. I enjoy it. Lots of great plot. Like the plotting is much better. There's not as many like dead spots in, in Die Hard. There's these just kind of long, like I feel like these talking to people and like, you know, kill somebody, get over it. Um, right. But, uh, you know, he's worried about the wife and everything. And it's just kind of like, and the, the wife's not really doing a lot off camera. They cut her out of the third one pretty much entirely, which was a good choice. But the, the first one, in terms of like, not just like, the the general you know there were some rough spots but i feel like you know it gets to the root of the novel that it was of course based on of course you guys are familiar with about man's battle with modern society as symbolized by the building and right. that it ends up you know as the building reverts to a more natural state and becomes more dangerous you know in some ways man becomes the victor and he beats the building on some on some level so i i, like that's I agree one is better okay yeah. Even though it says it was on Wikipedia, it was based on a 1968 movie called The Detective. No, it's the, it's the building book. That's what we have to remember. <laughs> I love the building book because it had a building in it. Uh, you know what didn't have a building in it was the Buffalo Bills versus the Minnesota Vikings. Um, and the only thing that was built in there in that game was a machine that routinely kicked the ass of the Minnesota Vikings, as predicted here on the... <laughs> maybe next year podcast not um i defy you to find anyone who wrote a the bills are going to beat the minnesota vikings i definitely saw a few if they're going to win this is how it's going to happen kind of things um 27 to 6 never in the in the last i think it was like the last 25 times that somebody's been a two touchdown or worse um underdog that they haven't won I think it's been that it's been like 30 to 40 years. You'd have to go back that far to find a bigger underdog who actually won the game outright, let alone cover. Um, the bills were in control of this game. Start to finish. There was almost nothing to complain about. Josh Allen looked, I would, I'm going to just put it out there that I feel like he looked very good, but let's go to the newly cleared um, international war criminal, Paul <laughs> back from the Hague and rest of Europe. Feel free to uh, tell us about Europe, but also any impressions you have of this game. I don't know. I, I know you watched it in the in the windy city of Chicago. I did. Correct. It was the uh, local game, which I joked with you, gentlemen. By the way, great to be back. I do want to, you know, say that right off the bat. It's been uh, it was a, a fun, exciting trip. I'll recap you guys all on it 
uh, after the call. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course, because we right. started it at 8.45 and we'll all be in bed within two minutes of this ending. So uh, impressions on the game. I did watch it from the lovely Kimpton Gray Hotel in Chicago, Illinois. Next time I will get to the link and join you guys at, at Bills and Beers. Uh, but I had an event going 8 to 11. P- you know what? Irrelevant. Minnesota Vikings, Buffalo Bills. I think the way that this game played out was the way that was the way that the if it was going to be a Bills blowout, there was only one way it could happen, and it was the way it happened. It was the Bills taking advantage of the fact that the Vikings' best offensive lineman is rife, and Jerry Hughes blowing him up all day, getting what was it? Just an obscene amount of pressures on the QB. I think a Pro Football Focus said it was the most they had ever recorded since they've been around. It was a matter of getting turnovers early. They got two turnovers off Kirk Cousins' fumbles, and man. We remember that well from his Washington days watching the games. Mm-hmm. He has moments of pure, and you guys talked about this on the pod last week, moments of you know pure, very solid quarterbacking, leading you down the field, and then he immediately will just turn the ball over on consecutive drives, and that's exactly what he did in the Bills game. The Bills, to their credit, except for Kelvin Benjamin dropping things constantly, took advantage of those mistakes. Mm-hmm. There's a 15-yard rough in the passer penalty, on the first series, it would have ended the drive if that had happened. Then they took another uh, 10 yards and penalties on that drive to move it downfield. Josh Allen went above and beyond to compensate for the fact that the running backs averaged not even three yards carry, I don't think, to, to really help with his scrambling. The, uh, the wide receivers didn't really help Josh very much, but he did what he could to put them in a position to succeed. But I really want to give full credit to the – not full credit. I want to give – a because we're going to give Allen a crap ton of credit, I assume. Mm-hmm. The defense really set the tone for this game. When you can give the offense field position on their second and third drives inside the red zone right off the bat, and that helps take you to a 17-0 lead on the road, you know, you've really done your job as a defense, and they just kept them in third and long all day. And I think that – did I read the Vikings – tied the record for fewest rushing attempts in an NFL game. Yeah. No, they and if it didn't. weren't for one Kirk Cousins scramble in the fourth quarter, they would have set it. Right. So they did such a good job of forcing the Vikings to pass, pass, pass all day. They were able to get home at first with a four-man rush, then with the blitz later. It was really just a blueprint. And, and Ross Tucker, you guys might remember, the former Buffalo Bill from late 90s, early 20 aughts, I want to say, maybe a little later on, had a good thing where when people, people – who are fans of the game are shocked by this, as was I. But when you're playing the game, you always expect to win. And they said a lot of people with the Minnesota-Buffalo game, he said, didn't focus as much on the matchups. The Bills had a good defensive line, whereas the Vikings' weakest part of their offense was the offensive line. And the Bills' secondary, while struggled this year, they have three really solid people back there with Trey White and Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. And, of course, you don't know that Ryan Luce is going to play commendably in his first start, but he he certainly did. And so with that in mind, Tucker noted it was, you know, it wasn't probably going to necessarily be a Vikings blowout, and, and the Bills turned the tables on them. So I probably said way too much already, but uh, it was just a really enjoyable game to watch. Scott, Phil, give us your thoughts here. So I, I kind of uh... – I was watching the game on, on GameCast for the first part. I forget where I was. And then I ended up listening to the rest of the radio call, which was just like the twilight zone after listening to so many like terrible radio calls where it's like, well, maybe if they score another touchdown, they can get back into this game kind of calls. Uh, whereas this one was just a constant stream of flawless and perfect. And, you know, <laughs> grinding that clock away in the fourth quarter and then just unbelievable things that you hear coming out of the, the, the guys. Um, and then I watched, I did watch it. I think I, I'm very, obviously, there's nothing to criticize about what the Bills did. The Bills did everything that they needed to do in this game. Um, they, you know, created turnovers. They took advantage of the matchups, like Paul said. I think the biggest thing that I'm, I'm concerned about is just, like, Debbie Downer Scott, like, just a little concerned about exactly what this Vikings team is. Again, like, they started off one... Oh, and one with the with the tie in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, they spent some money on Cousins in the offseason, but they basically did nothing to improve their offensive line, which is already the weak point of the team. Uh, their defense was playing out, playing without one of their arguably their best pass rusher, who has some um, mental health issues right now. They're pretty serious, and within about a week, within about uh, the first on the first series, um, one of their starting corners got hurt. 
Now, admittedly, that you know, it's not like I'm saying the Bills don't deserve to win or didn't because obviously McCoy was out and that was a huge handicap for the Bills and they still won. But I think we just need to calibrate what this win is and don't, you know, it's a good solid road win. And I don't think we should take anything away from that. But I think the perception in part of this game was based on the idea that, well, Minnesota was in the NFC Championship last year. They added Cousins, they're a Super Bowl favorite, they're, you know, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't want to get too far down that road. It's a, obviously a tremendous improvement for the Bills, uh, you know, a real NFL effort for four quarters. And wouldn't you know it, they actually won the freaking game. Right. I, I still think there are concerns about what this team um, has talent-wise, and so I don't want to go overboard. Um, that said, obviously, I'm looking forward to the fact that I can actually watch Bill's games the rest of the season instead of just averting my air, my eyes in terror. So that at least gives me hope that I can continue to watch the replays of these games without feeling like I'm just wasting my time in order to come in and watch this do this stupid podcast. So that's good. I'm glad that you have something, and I agree. I mean, like it, 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 <laughs> um, it, it, it felt like a. Uh, you know, we got our season back a little. Um, yeah. I, I I think that it's important to note that you're you're right that this wasn't necessarily a great um, Minnesota team necessarily, and we're only just finding out who they are. And it could be like last year's Atlanta game, which was a big road win that ultimately wasn't as impressive as everybody thought it was going to be. Or even more, not to jump in, Frank, but even more on the point, their third game last year was against the Broncos, the Broncos, and they beat the Broncos, right. and, everyone, and the Broncos were 2-0 at that time. They were coming off a playoff appearance in 2016. Everyone thought that was a big deal. The Broncos finished 5-11, and so right. end up not being this huge victory. Exactly, but I think that it is important to point out that the, you know, the, the Vikings were scoring you know 27-ish points a game over the two other games that they played, including the tie and the, the win in San Francisco. So given how ugly the defense looked in the first six quarters of the season um i think it counts for something big that they they managed to do what they do and i think it counts for something big that they managed to score points too now they were getting great field position and and um many other other factors as well it was kind of last year's formula right like get turnovers and score points on them and that's what they did and you know the second half it's a little i don't want to say it was uh bad but you know they were outscored six nothing in the second half. Of course, they completely changed their game because Minnesota took everything away except these short passes. You know they kept going for these short passes, and 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 Buffalo they kept giving Buffalo kind of stuff to eat the clock with. Um, so they managed to smother in the second half. I was a little disappointed they didn't score any more points, but I think it's I think it's certainly. Um, you're right in the big picture. It's hard to say what this Minnesota victory is, but I think in the immediate picture, you know, um, we go from, um, I, I'm now I, I have something, but it's a little too tasteless even for me to kind of put it that way. Uh, <laughs> but basically, basically, you know, we're no longer on, on, uh, the, the deathbed here for the season in week three. And so there's, there's not just like, let's get a postmortem on, on on Josh Allen's performance, we can maybe win a couple games along the way while we're at it. So I, I'd like to point out that my favorite parts of the game, uh, honestly, was the passing offense, which is part Josh Allen, which I'll lead into the next conversation about Allen here. Um, but really, it was Brian Dable's play calling. I felt like his playbook opened up. Um, I feel like his uh, they had some really fun, creative plays. When's the last time that we even, you know, a couple of the missed plays were great because I hadn't, I can't even remember the times that we called those plays. I think on Twitter, I even talked to Paul and said they threw that timing route on the right side of the field where uh, I forget who, who caught it and only got one foot in. But it oh, was Holmes, those, yeah. Holmes yeah. had like one of those one, two, three throw, and he went up and jumped and competed and got the ball. And we never throw that pass. We don't even ever try that pass. And, Let's point out like the receivers on this team are terrible, but it's like Josh Allen put it that ball and he put the 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 deep ball on the other end that just got missed. He put the ball that Charles Clay should have caught in the end zone for a touchdown. Uh, all in places where only those players could catch it, and they really had a legitimate chance to catch them. And my first thought was like, we need better <laughs> receivers for the team, but I didn't feel like, oh my God, like this guy is 
not putting the ball where it's supposed to go. So even though he certainly wasn't perfect, um, I felt like Allen was putting um, the ball in places where he was supposed to go. He certainly ran uh, at key times and kept drives alive. And the the, run, the running touchdown was great. The hurdle, obviously, um, personally, with, with the hurdle, I'm happy that he did it. I want to see him do it again. I know it's like, quote unquote, dangerous, but like, let him play the way he wants to play. That's right. what I think. Or by quote unquote dangerous, you mean dangerous. Because yes. I, I don't even think we need to put that in quotes. But well, many people are saying it's like a dangerous, like, don't do that. And I guess I guess I understand that. But I also feel like, hey, man, like this guy clear. This guy clearly has a feel for how he wants to play. Let him play. Playing and football is dangerous. You play. Exactly. Playing football is dangerous. Right. So. Like I'm ready. Yes. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't want to turn him into a running back or a tight end, but you know, if he's out there and he wants to run and he he's gonna jump, let him jump. Him um, him standing behind our offensive line during an NFL football game. Dangerous. <laughs> exactly. And he managed to you know survive that. He got the ball out a lot quicker. Um, he you know planted his foot. He put the ball in good places. And so I was wholly impressed with his performance and, and Brian Dable's performance. And I was happy to hear that Leslie Frazier called the defensive, um, the defensive plays. I was happy to hear that, that they, they put him back in and he, he uh, you know, the defense took advantage for him. So those are my, my thoughts on the game. Um, I was very happy with it. Obviously I also was in the car until the second quarter. So it's all had, right. It's not like you missed a 17-point first. I know. Round. I had errands to run and everything. And the, and we went to a we went to a Dogfish Head, which oh. is a bar down here. And she said, do you want me to put the game on? And this is only like 1245. I go, no, we're going to eat quick and, and get out of here. And um, I figured I would, you know, miss some of the first quarter and then get home. And it would be, you know, 15 to 3 or something, my Minnesota. And I had missed all the crazy stuff. So... You weren't the only one. Um, so with that, do do you want to do we each want to take a turn here on Alan? I, I, Scott and Paul, you, you Scott, you sure. can go first. Paul, didn't. I, can, I can I can start a stab with Alan. Sure. So, um, so I am encouraged, obviously, by the performance. I think the running aspect of the game that he provides is something that I hadn't fully counted on how much how valuable that can be because that was the biggest thing about Tyrod was that in some ways that allowed the you know things to work out better because he was he was a mobile quarterback who could kind of slow down the rush um, right and give himself more time to make the throws which obviously frequently he did not um, or escape or uh, you know get out and get the first down running um, obviously Allen is not clearly not as fast as Tyrod and not as mobile as him but he clearly has some athleticism Mm-hmm. Like you want to kind of say like early Aaron Rodgers kind of like capable of getting a first down running when when it's available and man coverage like mm-hmm. that is a very big weapon. And I don't think it's I, I think that is something that I don't think I, I fully appreciated when I've kind of been discussing him to that point. So I'm, I'm very encouraged by that. I think we do have to obviously, you know, I, I kind of I think it's a little overblown to have everyone get too over over, you know, upset about it, though. Admittedly, like Kyle Williams is one of the guys who said he shouldn't be doing that anymore. So Kyle's a professional football player and he's on the team. So I think he's allowed to make that call. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm a little concerned about that, but not, not overly so. And he is a rookie and he does just kind of have to get the feel of it. And he's bendy, right? He's 23. All his tendons and ligaments still work. He's not right. an old man like the rest of us. Um, so he can, he can go out there and do that stuff. So I think, I think it's good. I think at the same time, he is still a rookie. There were plenty of things that did not quite work as well. His pocket presence is okay, but he also lost three i mean he didn't lose three fumbles but he fumbled three times in the course of a game which is a lot now admittedly the bills all recovered them but that's you know kind of a 50 50 chance at bets that's not really can't count on doing that too much Um, right so he still needs to improve and obviously we will you know some days you're feeling it and and the passes are going where they need to be and then everything looks great and then some days if you don't throw those two or three passes right right away Maybe your whole day goes sideways, and I think we need to make sure that he can kind of right his his own ship if he's if he's if he starts losing his fundamentals or if he starts getting out of whack. Mm-hmm. Um, so, or maybe he just never throws another bad pass again. That would also be fine. I but feel like I'm, that one fumble was not really his end, by the way. Just just the the kind of dink pass to the running back that they called a fumble. 
I like there, there might have been a decision there that if either he did fumble it or he made a very poor decision about trying to complete that when the timing was off. Right. Okay. Let's also not forget the fumble where he was trying to go back and and pass and none of his receivers were open and it was supposed to be a three-step drop and he got destroyed and the ball popped out. But I think an offensive lineman landed on. It was like a 20-yard loss. Yeah. And again, like that's going to – like there are some that are kind of unavoidable, but at the same time, like that's part of being a quarterback is is knowing how to hang on to the ball when you get sacked. So um, anyway. I don't want to. I don't want to like. I don't want to make it seem like I'm criticizing him too much. I think that he needs to get better. But I think obviously, like compared to where we were a week and a half ago against Baltimore, or two weeks ago against Baltimore, uh, this is this looks like an NFL quarterback, which is not again as Frank said last week. That was not something that we were sure of that we had um, coming into the season. Right. Yeah, I think I think you use the operative word, Scott. I'm just jumping right in for <laughs> for no reason, but. I, the operative word is encouraging, you know, how compared to what we saw the second half of week one, so tough to judge week two, you got a, a full smorgasbord of Allen to really <laughs> see where he was, uh, where his flaws were and, you know, where, where the potential was. I tested to get too excited too, because we've been down this road before. I remember there were points with Tyrod early in his Bills career. I'm thinking this feels different. It feels like he's the guy. But just watching some of the things Allen did on Sunday, I, I I won't say I felt like I did when, you know, I was watching Jim Kelly start, but I felt closer to that than I had in a while. Someone who had the gun, who was able to make those throws, who was willing to do whatever it could to get first downs, but who also wanted to abide by the plan and only scramble, you know, when, when he absolutely had to, even though he ended up with 10 rushes, I think, because he absolutely mm-hmm. had to scramble a lot because the receivers are are terrible. But uh, to Scott's point, I did not expect Allen's level of mobility either. I heard how quick he, he was and that he would occasionally scramble. And we saw it a bit in the preseason, if not a ton in the preseason. So that was a pleasant surprise. I think Kyle was upset about the hurdle simply because he was really kind of upset with Allen for a uh, time and then surpassing Kyle on the team's all-time rushing touchdowns list, which he did during the course of the game. Uh, by rushing for his first and second TDs. One nice thing about reviewing Allen is that NFL Mobile put all of his past plays online, and you you really do see a lot of the good and the bad that Scott talked about. He had some good timing on some of his passes. He's still got the rifle. Brian Dable, as, as Frank had noted, put in a great game plan for him, and he exploited some things and took advantage of some things. However, there were points when he still could have gotten the ball out more quickly. He did underthrow what would have been a, a touchdown, assuming the receiver had caught it. It was almost intercepted and had to be broken up on, on a deep ball. He did have some drops, of course, Foster on the deep ball, and then, uh, you know, Benjamin every five seconds or so would drop a ball. So, you know, those aren't really on him. But it was the first time I'd watched him play, and mind you, I watched almost none of the Chargers game except for the highlights, but I did watch some of the preseason games. It was the first time I watched him play, and I felt like, okay, wow, this guy does have the arm, and I would really like it if he had some weapons, maybe a, oh, I don't know, a, a Sammy Watkins or a Robert Woods or a Marquise Goodwin, but, you know, you can't just draft those guys no. and have them on the team and then have them on the team when you can't get them the ball and then lose them. You know, that would be ridiculous. <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah, I was encouraged by his play. I'm trying not to get too overly psyched, but the, the tools we were told were there are definitely there. But Paul, if we if we signed guys like Marquise Goodwin and Robert Goodwin and Robert Woods, we wouldn't have ninety million dollars in cap space next year. So, <laughs> Nor would we have the, the wonderful, you know, locker room <laughs> that we need to. The, pro- the process may not be trusted in that situation. Therefore, precisely right. Um, I don't mean to criticize uh, being on the two of those either, because Goodwin and Woods were were free agents who signed away, but when away they were still GM. But yeah, I know. Aggravating to me to watch them succeed. I mean, Woods again with golf on Sunday. Just watching him play, I'm like, oh, I would love this guy back. But touche, it's over. On, onward we move in life. It's amazing to think about that receiver core and how we didn't have a passing offense. <laughs> <laughs> like anyway, uh, one more note: 196 yards passing on just 15 completions. That's pretty good. And really, if you think about some of his drops and the fact that they stopped playing football offense in the second half on purpose. 
I saw he was once had 172 yards in the first half and then just completed three pat. He was three for three for 24 yards in the second half because all they did was run, which was fine. Totally yeah. fine. It's so it's just one of those things that is is nice to see because you know that's a Tyrod full game. Um and let's not actually because we could I could really go into like kicking Tyrod while he's down right now, but I'm not going to. Instead, we're gonna turn to three stars because we've gotta we gotta move this move this pot along. As people remember last week, we were very much debating about exactly when a bill would get a star because we were <laughs> 0 for six right into this uh headed into this game. I feel like uh, we're gonna get one here. I feel like we we've got enough to, to get things moving in the right direction here. So I am going to give uh, the honorable mention to uh, who was I going to give it to? It was Tredavious White. Okay. Unsung, sometimes unsung member of the defense. Been playing great all season, but especially had a great game on Sunday. Basically took Stefan Diggs out of the equation um, for much of the game. He did have one kind of dumb penalty, um, or it wasn't a dumb penalty. It was a, it was a, Back penalty on I think it was like some the refs were terrible on Sunday just not it almost made that game unwatchable by the amount of penalties they were mm-hmm. on. Um, but Tredavious had a, a, nice, a nice game as usual um, and I wanted to make sure that we adequately represented the defense also part of adequately representing the defense is giving the third star to uh, Matt Milano who had a very very nice game obviously AFC defensive player of the week Matt Milano mm-hmm. who had uh, eight tackles, a sack, a interception, and I believe a fumble recovery. Yeah. If I'm uh, not forced mistaken. fumble, uh-huh. force force fumble. I'm ESPN is telling me recovered fumble as well, so maybe both. Who knows? Um, but uh, again, I thought there was a nice. Forget who ran the article. I want to say it was Biscalia, or maybe it was the New York Upstate guys, Fairburn or something. And they were saying like, no one. <laughs> The only reason we can think of that why Ramon Humber gets snaps anymore is to provide some sort of incentive for Matt Milano because Milano is so much better than him. And I kind of agree. Like he's he's really playing very well. He's playing very well for an NFL player, not not to mention him being like a fifth round draft pick just a year ago. So again, he's a little undersized. He is gonna have some problems with teams that are running the ball right at us, but frankly, there are not that many teams that do that anymore. So uh, I think it's a good decision to have kind of you know, the smaller, faster linebackers out there. And he's doing a great job so far. And obviously he was playing very well on Sunday. Um, second star, second star goes to hopefully the first of many, Josh Allen. Yeah. 15 to 22, 196, one touchdown. Did take three sacks. Again, a little concerning about the fumbles, but obviously also added in the two touchdowns on the ground and another 39 rushing yards. Um, again, like everyone's been saying, decisive, uh, you know, trying to get the ball out faster, Good arm, able to stretch the field. I really like the way that the again the game plan certainly suited him. The Dable kind of I think I think running an offense where it's entirely deep passes, running an offense where it's entirely short passes is not really sustainable. But you can do both, and you don't need to worry as much about those intermediate throws, which he can certainly make. It's just more of an accuracy thing, I think, probably with him. And that if he can keep them as long as he's threatening them consistently down the field, Allen's going to have some success in this league. I don't know. I don't know what the ceiling is, but the floor will certainly be there um, uh, as just kind of a, an you know a, an upgrade on the kind of the tie rod model of a quarterback who's mobile and can throw a nice deep ball. Um, then your first star, I'm going to give it. So last week Jerry Hughes was very close to getting into three stars. This week Jerry Hughes gets the third star because or gets the first star because again, as Paul was saying, pretty much unblockable the entire game um he only ended up with one sack like officially but really like he pretty much affected almost every play that minnesota was playing um just completely destroyed rife which which kind of set back the rest of the minnesota line if they don't win that battle then the rest of the offensive line can sort of manage its own but if their best player is getting beaten by hughes consistently then that's just kind of a recipe for disaster and whatever fire got lit under him at halftime of the san diego game continued to burn um, so if he's playing like this for the rest of the season, like he's going to go to the Pro Bowl. Like he's 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 certainly very capable. I don't know what it was that he wasn't motivated or didn't feel like the offense suited him or the defense suited him. You know, kind of the last year, last two years, um, Baltimore game. I don't know, but whatever it is, they found the button to push, and he's he's killing people out there now. So great for Jerry. Uh, keep it up. 
And those are your three stars. Yep. Ten QB pressures, by the way, and tied with uh, tied with twenty pressures for the season for the league lead. Do we? Do you know who he's tied with for most QB pressures? Um, Keyshawn Johnson. <laughs> Great guess. There is a Buffalo <laughs> connection here, but he's never played for the Bills. Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack yeah, has twenty yeah. pressures as well. Not well, not that company to be in if you're Jerry Hughes. Well, good thing the Raiders traded him. That's what I said. <laughs> Indeed. Um, we, I also, the, the crack research team at Buffalo Bills, maybe next year, AKA Scott or Paul rather, um, I'm not on the research team. That's why I couldn't tell you who the research team was, but Paul wants to list it in the stats. Leslie Frazier got a game ball, which is, I think a, a yes. I don't know if you guys should, you should definitely, if you haven't take a look at the video of Sean McDermott, giving him the game ball. And I wish I could identify the bill in the background when Sean McDermott goes, where's Leslie Frazier and his mouth opens. He's like, Oh, it was it was uh, it was impressive and it was great to to see because you know McDermott knew he was he was being just maligned in the media and like ah hey, he's not going to be defensive coordinator much long what's his actual role going to be and then it's like yeah I'm just going to pretty much shut down the Vikings for an entire game so that was great to see I am pulling up the Facebook Paul if you want to bring up the tweeter to see yep. if anybody asked us questions I know there were some comments. Yep. Um, and I, Paul, you were in charge of the Twitter this week, so I don't know if. Uh, no, no, no one replied to the. I didn't. I didn't send out the. Uh, I sent a quick tweet. Too too long. Oh, we both did. You did an hour ago, and I did shortly after. You yeah. Did, so you did it twice, but. How was uh, the Twitter crowd on Sunday? Were they happy to be be free of me? Was Orlando happy that I no longer was? I got I got a welcome back from Orlando, and it's uh, and it's a it's good to have you back from Grant. So I don't know what you did to piss off Grant. Okay. No, well. Uh, Greg on Facebook asked when we'll be recording. I told him Tuesday or Wednesday and it's Wednesday. So Greg, thank you for asking, uh, just to know, we are going to try and, um, you know, be regular one now that the season's going. Um, so thank you for your patience as we've worked through technical difficulties and the like, uh, Steven says bills one top to bottom, including special teams. Bojo dropped uh, a few punts inside the 20 and some were deep inside. Meanwhile, the Vikings brought two or three kicks back, took penalties on top of it. Uh, a good D line can do a lot to cover weaknesses elsewhere. If the bills can continue to exert in the upcoming games, the sort of QB pressure they showed against the Vikings that can go a long way to helping the weak cornerback position. How often did the bills get pressure with their just front front four? I don't know the exact number, but I know it was a quite a bit that they did weren't blitzing quite a bit. Right um, now, I actually tried to research that for Stephen. I couldn't find it either. But it's funny they just looking at some of the plays. It's and this is very general. First half seemed to be a lot of four man rushes, which was great because those were random. Second half seemed to be a lot of blitzes of like we just want you to keep throwing the ball every play and try and force turnovers because we're already up twenty seven. And and to be fair, also there was a fair bit of four-man rushes though not necessarily the four down linemen because right. that would be guys dropping out into the zones or there'd be you know there was this uh, interesting kind of lorenzo alexander yes i'm glad you, you brought know, that up four the aces package yeah. yeah yeah that that you know obviously the giants had success uh, a couple of years ago when they had that great defensive line that beat the patriots in the 20 2012 2013 time frame so right yeah no i think uh yeah this it again they're right I think at some point you do have to start worrying a little bit about the rest of the sec about the back seven, just because, um, you know, again, for some reason, Minnesota didn't take advantage. Uh, Minnesota didn't take advantage of, you know, Edmonds and Milano's kind of liabilities and coverage sometimes, because again, they had been picked on in recent weeks by, you know, Melvin Gordon among other people. So I wouldn't be surprised if people try and go back to that because again, the, the three parts of the secondary are perfectly fine that fourth corner and the linebackers ability to cover line, you know, running backs out of the backfield still has not really been tested too much. So. Okay. Uh, was there anything on Twitter or. Well, we, we, we can address a couple of questions and comments. One, uh, which was, and this isn't related to the game, but is, uh, is there a more, uh, a, a former bills player more fun to root for than Fitzy from Ryan? I don't know if there is. He's, no. he's a pretty good guy to root for. I liked rooting for Stevie Johnson, but he's not playing anymore. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I see that's the thing. Like I like for one thing, like obviously I'm biased. Like I never really liked Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick that much. Obviously mm -hmm. I appreciate that. He's certainly 
he played Now, where better. did your wife go to school? I feel you need to disclose that. So, yeah. That is, my wife did go to Yale, and it was Fitzy being a Harvard man. I was probably going to be dead to me anyway. Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard? I don't know if you heard I that. I've never no, heard that before. Well, now the new fun fact people keep trotting out is that he's got seven kids. And I'm like, okay, but that's not... Man. I mean, that it's it's kind of a lot easier when you're a millionaire to have of seven course kids. He's, of course he's got seven kids. Have you seen that beard? The man is virility defined. <laughs> But let's I'm be clear. Pregnant, just looking at him, <laughs> like he threw three interceptions on three consecutive passes on Monday night. Like, right. They lost the game thirty to twenty-seven. I understand. Like he made a charge at them at the end, but at the same time, he also threw three interceptions. Like I was, I, uh, I was playing him. Uh, I was playing. I had the Steelers defense and he did three points. And I'm like, there's two ways this game goes. Either he plays like he did the last two weeks. He throws for 400 yards and four touchdowns, and I don't get anywhere near three points, um, as minimal as that is, or he's old Fitzpatrick, and they're going to have sacks and interceptions all over the place. And he was old Fitzpatrick. They've lost. So, yeah, I'm still not uh, on the, the, the fifth magic yeah, train. He's on pace for over a 6,400-yard season after three games, so that's not, that's, not too bad. Scott is really was really excited to root for Jimmy Leonard whenever he was. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's true. That is my favorite former Bill, now defensive coordinator. For Even though we missed him once on the Stay in Bill's headlines, we'll, we'll forget I did. Him. I did. I blew it. I know. I can hardly look at myself yeah. in there. Uh, right. Je Jasmine noted what the F is going on. Uh, I love it, but dear God, this week I bet on them to lose by 10 or more. If I knew this was all it would take, I'd blow five pounds every week. Five euro every week. No, it's pounds. Five pounds yeah, every in the week. UK. It's still yes. pounds. Yeah. Yes. There like was a whole vote on a lot of stuff that has to do with that. So, I mean, it's been <laughs> yes. kind of in news. <laughs> I think it's called Bilzak, Bilzit, Begzit. I can't yeah. remember. Bills is in there somewhere. Yes. Uh, gambling, by the way. Should we go gamble in Maryland at some point? I've thought about this. Is that a real, like, can we do that at the one near DC? Like, I don't know. I, I was listening on the radio the other day, and they definitely had a pick em contest at the, at the, at MGM that talked that they said at the very end in the fine print on the radio, it was uh, cannot be allowed to play if you're on Maryland's gambling exclusion list, which makes it sound like there is gambling yeah. on sports. <laughs> right. And like, as long as you're not on that list, you can, you're good. <laughs> okay. Well, I like, I'm not going to go all the way to West Virginia, but I would, I would go post an, a, a, uh, a, just a, like a gentleman's bet kind like, you know, nothing serious. Sure, uh, sure. No, absolutely. Just to prove your several, skill. you know, just several thousand, and <laughs> and 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 we'll do that. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. five euro. Sorry about the exactly. five euro you lost. We'll we'll send that in the mail. Yes. Um. Uh, but thank you for the wheel. Yes. Go ahead, Paul. Sorry. No, I was gonna say I about covered it for the the questions, but thanks to the usual, we had Orlando, Bills and Beers, Ryan, Jasmine, Jester, Grant. You know, the other Ryan. We have. Uh, I'll let them determine which one's the Ryan and which one's the other Ryan. Uh, Julian, you know, just the usual group, and, and thanks. It was nice interacting with you guys again, and uh, we look forward to you know more fun next week, especially if they if, if it's another game like this one. Very good. Um, you want to talk about the injury report? You listed that. I mean, McCoy said I kind of did play. it to go into the McCoy stuff. Yeah, McCoy said he's going to go ahead. Please, yeah, you, yeah. you set this up for us. Yeah. So the injury report, I just. I, it's more the lack of injury report, which is nice. Ryan Lewis had cramps but came back. Russell Bodine had cramps and came back. Shaq, you know, Lawson, he's allegedly made progress this week. It'll be nice to see if he comes back and what that does for the defensive line, uh, especially with how well Trent Murphy played. Speaking of which, Trent Murphy constantly injured, seems to have hurt himself again, but he looks like he's on a good track. Marcus Murphy is also struggling a little bit, but that should be less of an issue because LaShawn McCoy announced shortly after we sent out the agenda that he was going to uh, to play. And uh, you guys had, uh, had postponed talking about it with me uh, out of the country, but we, do, we, do we want to address the McCoy allegations, which was kind of why I had the injury report in there, was kind of segue into that and figure out if we wanted to, to go through that. Yeah, I think we should at least get something out there. I mean, sure. we... We talked a little bit about it last week, and, I, and, and I'll reiterate, at least hopefully a little more eloquently this time, that what I was trying to get at the other week was that, you know, it's not a question of um, it's different than a lot of the other types of scandals we've seen from sports players. As Scott Rutley pointed out, it's not, you know, um, 
Ray Rice in the elevator with a video, and it's not even Adrian Peterson hitting his kids. It's this middle of this messy, messy divorce where clearly, I th and I feel like this has already been established, um, and I'm a person who doesn't like to, to, to victim blame. I, I, I tend to want... You know, I, I tend to want to believe somebody when they say something horrible has happened to them. Um, but I think that it's already been established, at least somewhat, that, that the woman involved in this case um, hasn't been completely truthful or forthright. And, and, and so it, it creates a lot of confusion as to how much someone should be believed. And certainly we're all looking from the outside in. Um, and I think that's some of why... I don't want to say he's getting a pass, but he kind of is getting a pass with regards to the media and the scrutiny. We it's been mentioned, but it's it, no one's really talking about it the way that they talk about it uh, with other people. And and certainly this is a climate uh, unlike any other where uh, at least in my lifetime where where you know the invitation to talk about something like this is standing. And if you have done something and people believe you in the least, uh, it, it, it's been talked about. Um, so I think that's why we've also pushed off the, the conversation because it, it, it's never felt like we've had a firm, I've, at least with me, I've never felt like I've had A, a firm grip on, grip on what has even happened, and B, who the people involved and in how trustworthy they are, are. Um, you know, like in the states currently, and I don't want to talk about it. Like we have, uh, uh, you know, a, a nominee for a Supreme Court justice who, I think, I can at least identify what's being alleged and who's alleging it. And it's a separate question about who we believe and who we don't believe. And there are certainly people in this country who believe person A is lying, and other people in this country who think person B is lying. But I think a lot of people of good conscience are at least willing to listen to it. And I don't feel like that's the case with McCoy because it's already like everything's already in this this huge messy pot um scott do you want to do you want to piggyback off of that or say anything independent uh, or i mean no <laughs> okay do that no i mean it's it's obviously like there's a couple things we know somebody got beat up that's sad and shouldn't happen yeah um you know people's people not might might not be telling the truth which isn't good and shouldn't also happen and people shouldn't try and like exploit the media for their and exploit public sentiment to settle private matters i guess in some ways i would say um and some things are not private some things are like the responsibility of the body politic to police itself like that's that's certainly fair um, and that certainly is a public matter because obviously, like, if you commit one crime, you are kind of by definition a criminal and therefore need to be, you know, treated as such um, if you're obviously proven guilty. Um, but I think in this case, again, I agree with Frank. Like, I, I, I've also not kind of done my due diligence, so I'm very hesitant to say anything other than kind of bland platitudes like I just did. So before, before Paul says something, I just I, I want to just echo Scott that, yes, the stuff that's been alleged and, and seems to have happened is terrible and should not happen. And people who have engaged in that type of behavior should be punished is my belief. So I, I'm not saying like, I don't want any sort of like belief that like I'm excusing anyone for any sort of behavior. I'm just really saying like, I don't have a handle on all of what the behavior is and any sense of how truthful any of it is. And so, but to the extent that any of it happened, I am fully willing to believe it and it should be punished in my mind. So um, I'll just leave it there. Sorry. Go ahead, Paul. No, I would, I would agree. I don't want to add too much either because I think the point is that everything is, like you guys have said, it's out there. We don't know the full details behind it yet. Uh, my understanding is, is LaShawn is up for uh, Supreme Court justice, so we really don't want to. Oh, no, wait. I'm sorry. I mixed up my news stories. Um, so, you know, that with, with everything that's out there with LaShawn, I think you just have to wait and see how this plays out you have allegations on one side you have the sean respond to those allegations and the the best course of action at this point is to see what happens and not jump to conclusions on either side not saying the clearly couldn't have done anything 
with this because you hope that's the case because he's a Bills player and, you know, at the, when he could be guilty and then not jump to the conclusion that he is just because someone's alleged he is. So we'll, we'll see where it goes from here. All right. Um, do we want to, let's see, um, the Newhouse trade. Yeah, he was traded, yes. which is weird because the line is awful and he was at least depth, but. I, I, I retweeted uh, this guy senior who quoted compensation for Newhouse got to be a ham sandwich and an alternator for an 85 Chevy Caprice. Yeah, well, it's a conditional pick. So, right. and I've heard the joke; it's a conditional eighth round pick. Aha, uh-huh. <laughs> that's good. But yeah, they got um, that's like getting something for. I mean, he was he just came on the field once a game, got a false start, and then jogged off. That was his deal, and they got they got something for him. So, I'm pleased with that. Maybe it's a sign that uh, Wyatt Teller, Teller Wyatt, I don't know his name, or, or McDermott Wyatt is Teller, yeah. Wyatt Teller, yes, or Connor McDermott is. It looked good in practice. You know, they're thinking, oh, we can afford to give up some depth here. So it's a it's a how much worse could we be trade? Right, and it saves them a million and a half dollars, I guess. So that's that's a plus as well. Okay. Well, and then there was also so I read an interesting article. Not to, to go on a brief, no, I'll, good, brief tent, but I'll bring it back on. Go for there it. Was a, there was a good Deadspin interview with Pepper Johnson, uh, former defensive uh defensive lineman for one and then on some of the giants teams from the early 90s and then uh later defensive line coach with the patriots and with the jets and with some other teams in the league and and he was saying that there's an interesting thing that happens sometimes and that it's essentially kind of collusion between the nfl teams where someone will get traded um and then the other team won't actually trade the player back but they will cut someone and then based on the timing, the the player who is cut has essentially been signed to a contract that the you know the team doesn't feel like they're performing at. They feel like it's not tradable. So what they end up doing is they just cut the person. And then the other team that just traded that guy to him, they get kind of the inside gouge on what happened. And mm-hmm. then it's kind of like a backdoor trade, but it allows the second team to essentially pick up the the released player. And that actually, I think, happened with this. There was a uh, Carolina player who was cut and then later who was an alignment who was. Oh, did we lose Scott? Scott, we. Uh... Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, there we go. There oh, yeah. So there was a Carolina player who who was who was who was cut earlier this week and was also signed by the Bills earlier this week. So I wonder, huh. I wonder if that's some fishiness going on because it was a lineman, and I'm trying to get the gentleman's name Extermals, right now. Was that his name? Something like that? Um, that I'm looking to. So uh, anyway, it was an interesting. Again, like I, I bring that up just solely for people's enlightenment. Jeremiah Searles cut by the Panthers three weeks ago, but yes, same same type of concept. But yeah, potentially that might have been something that maybe there was some things worked out. Obviously, we know that the ties run deep between the Panthers and the uh, the Bills here. Bills. So, yeah, when you were reciting that scenario, I thought I might be going into a Caitlin Clay story because the Bills they swapped. It's fine. I think the Bills got Caitlin Clay in a draft pick, and the Panthers got Kevon Seymour. And all of a sudden, halfway through the year, the Bills cut Clay, and he goes back to the Panthers. But the Bills still have that draft pick that Carolina sent them. It was a seventh rounder, but still. And it also, it's funny enough, I I, I was watching uh, a Giants game with my dad three weeks ago, and Kalen Clay, now the punt returner for the Giants, apparently the Giants had the chance to win their first game. They were getting the ball back with about 55 seconds left, and I forget who it was, the Eagles or somebody was punting to them. Kalen Clay, punt returner, muffed punt. Yep. Other team <laughs> recovers, Giants lose. In a related story, Kalen Clay waved by the Giants yesterday. <laughs> exactly. Is, they, they waited a few weeks at least, but they waved him yesterday. At least they used the second overall pick on a running back. So, <laughs> um, let's uh, let's do some this day in Bills history, and then we'll talk Packers, and then it's then it's time to go, boys. All right, it's bedtime. All right, so we're going to. Uh, We'll do we, it's it's double pronged. This we'll do it this day in Bill's history, and then rapid fire ten headlines as well. Okay. We'll make it quick, but we'll we'll make it uh we'll make it engaging. So uh, the game we're gonna go back twenty four years, just September 26, nineteen ninety four, Monday Night Football, Broncos and Bills. This was a, an exciting game. John Elway, the New York Times story talked about 
John Elway coming into a situation. It was it was fourth and two with 21 seconds left in the game. He rolled to his right. He had Cedric Tillman at the back of the end zone through a pass that went right over Tillman's head and actually nearly landed in the stands. And they were this is when they were talking about the beginning of the end of John Elway in this article, which is hilarious because then he won a Super Bowl uh, four years later. Uh, but they mentioned that the Bills had been in the wrong defensive formation. They were confused, and they were lucky to get away with this. But the Bills had a very good game. Cornerback Mickey Washington had picked off Elway in the third quarter, returned to 27 yards to the Bills, 25. That set up a three-yard touchdown run by Bills fullback Carwell Gardner, named from the pass there. So uh, they had also had recovered a fumble. Uh, Cornelius Bennett uh, had recovered one after Smith had sacked uh, Bruce Smith had sacked Elway. That led to a Thurman Thomas touchdown run with 18 seconds left to play in the half. And Thurman Thomas uh, seemed to be back in step this game was the, the headline. They were worried about his yards per carry dropping, that he might be running out of steam after breaking Jim Brown's record for leading the NFL in total yards from scrimmage for three straight years. He actually would then lead it again this year. So obviously he was uh, he was not uh, he had not tapped out fully. So uh, Thomas finished with 17 carries for 103 yards before he was removed with a uh, was it a sore sprained knee uh, but ended up being fine. Jim Kelly not great stats 16 of 26 178 and a pick. Uh, not really anything good on the receiving front this uh, this this game as the Andre Reid had a good game with five catches for 83 yards. Otherwise nothing much to speak of. The only trivia question on this game before we get into the rapid-fire trivia, uh, the Broncos coach said uh, it's just the first four games of the season. Uh, I know it's this coach is fighting for off calls for his dismissal and said, Rodvir right now, but that doesn't mean it's the end of the season. We'll see. Uh, can you name this Broncos coach? Spoiler alert, later a Bills coach. Ooh, well, then it's it uh, should be – do you want to go first, Scott, please? Uh, Wade Phillips? Right. That would be that would be my guess as well. Since you, you, said you would both be guessing correctly. Right. Okay. Yeah. So well done. I might have said Dan Reeves if you didn't say anything, but I but I you gave me the hint. So huzzah, huzzah. All right. Okay. Ten rapid fire trivia questions. You guys have the option. Do we go in chronological order or reverse chronological order? I I like reverse chronological. We'll do reverse. Order. That's how we've been doing it. Yeah. Agree. All right, here we go. 2016. Uh, how Anthony Lynn sparked Bill's offensive turnaround after Blank's firing. Oh, um, Greg Roman. Greg, Greg Roman, Roman is Roman. correct. The huge win over the Cardinals right after Greg Roman was fired. 2014, this one's a tough one. Blank could start with Chris Williams out. Chris Williams is apparently an offensive lineman because uh, this guy who played is also an offensive lineman. What's the year again? 2014 uh, rookie draft pick offensive mm, lineman uh ed wang oh no, good was, guess he was a little he, earlier but yeah yeah he was earlier than that um uh steven goskowski great guess cyril richardson buffalo bills blank confident he can play cornerback the hint on this is it he ended up being a terrible cornerback, but a pretty good safety? We just did one of these, and it's not George Wilson. Right. Um, um, Aaron Williams. Aaron Williams. Scott is not today. He was a pretty good safety. He was a pretty good safety until he got Jarvis Landry and his career ended. Right. Uh, 2012, Bills give blank the boot. Uh, 2012. Uh uh, it's not Doug Marone. It's not Lindell, right? No, but Scott's on the right path because it seems. Oh, yeah. Brian Mort. Brian, Brian Mormon. Frank jumps in with Brian Mormon. Yep, they yeah. cut him for Sean Powell after two weeks into the season, and then they later cut Sean Powell and brought Brian Mormon back. So, all right. Uh, this isn't really a tough one, but I had to bring it up. This was the day after. The Bills beat the Patriots in that crazy Ryan Lindell game, uh, or game where Ryan Lindell kicked the winning field goal. Uh, blank Bills exploit hole. Okay, so essentially saying this player of the Bills exploits hole in Patriots defense during game deciding play. <sighs> Dump off pass where this guy got down to the one yard line. It was initially ruled a touchdown. Fred Jackson. Yep, 
it's good it wasn't ruled a touchdown because then they were able to run down the clock and kick the winning field goal. Yeah. All right. 2008. This dead Bill steps up after Roscoe Parrish injury. <laughs> James Hardy? James that, Hardy is correct. Yeah. I hope that wasn't the headline. Otherwise, <laughs> rough day. It, that's, that could be why Hardy felt doomed. Right yeah. Um, the hilarious thing about not that, but the other, there was another headline that day. Yeah, that was terrible segue. I remember I've been off for three weeks. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, that's, that's the problem. He's been off for three weeks. Unrelatedly, there was a hilarious headline that day that also said, Edwards Ride's wave of success puts Bills atop the AFC East. And Alex Appel talked about him getting the keys to the city, that he deserved them. It's Trent Edwards. The same day in 2010, the headline was, Source, Bill's dangling Trent Edwards for trade. <laughs> All right. 2005, Bill's linebacker blank tears Achilles tendon out for a season. 2000, Kiko Alonso. A little too early for Kiko. Um, oh, no, no. The one, the guy that wasn't the guy before Baker. Kiko. Um, no, not the, you're thinking the other white linebacker, but it's not. Paul it's not Paul Buzlesny. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Three, two, man. Okay, time's up. Answer is Takio Spikes. Oh, uh, Takio. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm way too late. Yeah, I'm I'm way too late there. Okay. All right, this will be a tougher one. Uh, I will. How will I headline this? Okay, this guy who played in the secondary and followed Greg Williams wherever he went in his career signs three-year contract extension with Bills. He was gone from the Bills before any of us knew each other, but he played in the league for a decade, and he always went wherever Greg Williams was the defensive coordinator. Hmm. I'm thinking, trying to think of Washington Redskins. And yep, he was with the Redskins. New Orleans Saints, and I can't. Um... Redskins, he was with the Saints. He went with him to the Jaguars. He was with, uh, and yeah, so he was ever you Greg took him I, everywhere. I'm not going to get it. I apologize. Um... From 99 till 2010. James Madison. Uh, yes, fourth president of the United States. And uh, also would go by the name Pearson Prelo. Pearson Prelo. Yeah. 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 All right. 2000, two to go. Uh, blank considers himself the scapegoat for Bill's poor running game. Quoted as saying, you know something for me? It feels like I wasn't given a fair opportunity. Last game, I only had five carries. I guess 30 carries in three games is enough carries to do your job, I guess. Hmm. Travis Henry? Nope. One year before Travis got there. So oh, close. Antoine Smith? Antoine Smith, who then went on to win the Super Bowl as the Patriots featured back next yep. year. All right. And lastly, 1999. Bills beat Eagles 26 nothing. There's no end in sight to Blank's brilliant career. Here's the, the hint on this one. This player would never start another game after that season. <laughs> I feel like I could give you a big hint here. You know what? You're struggling, so I'll give you the big hint. He would – that would be his last year with the Bills. He would play the next year with the Redskins, and that would be it for his career. Didn't start any games with them. Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know. All right, super huge hint. Hall of Famer. Bruce Smith? Good guess. He was a former Bill, played for the Redskins. That's the other one. Uh, uh well, you, might, you, you guys might not even remember that he played 13 games with the Redskins at the end of his career as a as a fifth wide receiver. Lofton? Uh Reed. Andre Reed. Oh. If you Google okay. Andre Reed Redskins, you'll find the occasional photo. He did catch one touchdown among his 10 receptions with the uh, Redskins. So, yeah, yeah. 951 right. catches, 941 is a bill. I forgot that he went there. I knew that he went somewhere, and I forgot he went to Washington. He actually had gone to Denver initially, but they cut him in the preseason, which I remember, because I remember reading a news article back then that he was playing special teams. He's like, I got to do what I got to do. He was wearing, like, number 45 and playing special teams. But So, yeah, that's the, this day in Bill's history and this day in Bill's headlines. Thank you for playing along, gentlemen. Wow, that was a lot of fun. That was, this, yeah. has been, this is my favorite new part of the show. Agreed. I agree. All right. All right, uh, Bills Packers. Aaron Rodgers is day to day all week. Um, I think he's going to play in Green Bay. Does last week change your? They're ten and a half point underdogs. 
does last week, I mean, it changes it a little for Vegas, right? Because they, they, they're no longer 17-point underdogs, but they're still big underdogs. Um, what do you guys think? Does this change anything for you? Green Bay is another team that, like, has a good quarterback, but is kind of middling, and, you know, it would still be an impressive a road A better win. quarterback than Kirk Cousins. Let's just Yes, absolutely, of course. But, I mean, like, they're also middling. They're also struggling. Yeah, and uh, agree, you know. And he's banged up, so maybe banged up. He's not much better than than Kirk Cousins is at the particular moment. Um, does this change anything for anyone, or what? I I would still pick them to lose, is what I would say. And then I, but I, I think I would want that to pick a closer game, like a twenty-one to to sixteen or a, a twenty-seven to twenty-one or something kind of game where you know Buffalo does something and does okay but they you know they lose to a, a good quarterback and on the road um yeah i i i'll jump in i i'm very very much kind of in agreement with you because i i think rogers current impairment will affect the game but i the the worst thing the bills could do to help them beat the packers i think was beat the vikings because now the packers aren't going to you know they're going to be like whoa okay we you know, we we couldn't beat the Vikings. We ended up in a, a tie with them, and you know they they ought, they gave us a lot of problems. The Bills they gave them no problems. They're going to game plan very well for the Bills. They have more talent than the Bills. I think they will probably, if I had to guess, do a lot of max protect with Rodgers to you know seeing what the Bills did to the Vikings last week. I think when you do that, I think you can afford to do that because that gives your quarterback a little more time, and eventually someone's going to beat whoever the Bills' number two corner is next week, whether it's Ryan Lewis or not, or one of the linebackers in coverage. As Scott mentioned, the Vikings didn't do a great job of exploiting Milano or Edmonds in terms of their coverage weaknesses. So I think I think this is going to be right on the cusp of the spread. So I'm going to double pick. I'm going to pick it both ways. I'm going to pick a 21 to 10 and 20 to 10 uh, Packers. But I think the Bills, like I said on Twitter, the Bills, they will not surprise me at all now, any week, whether they win by 20 or lose by 20. There's pretty much little they can do to surprise me, I think, at this point. Scott? Mm, I think uh, I think the Bills are going to make a game of it. I don't think that the Packers will run away with this. I think that Green Bay has been pretty good. Um, I think they obviously had a tough loss with, obviously, the very famous – now, now infamous uh, Clay Matthews hit that basically, uh, you know, kind of lost, essentially lost on the game against the Redskins on some right. level um, after he was, you know, again, like attempted to, hit, you know, tackle someone, but then he hit him too hard. And now everyone's saying the league's soft. Matthews is saying the league's soft. But obviously the Brown, the, um, the Packers won one and one. Um, I think that Rodgers is going to be healthy enough to win. I, I, I think that he provides enough mobility more so than Cousins. Um, that it'll be able to help. I think Green Bay's line is a little bit better, better, although they are banged up with Balaga injured, and I think their right guard is also potentially going to be out for this game. So there's definitely some matchups the Bills can exploit there. I, you know, obviously now the Bills. I can't say that I'm going to be shocked if the Bills win any game if they can go into Minnesota and win there on some level, um, and just going into a tough road environment and winning. So I think the Bills certainly have a shot. I think it's just going to be too much Aaron Rodgers. Um, I don't know that the, you know, now that some of the wrinkles that we put on film are there, I'm not sure that that will lead to some. Yeah, I think that that's fair that, you know, there's, you're not going to have, you're not going to be able to catch everybody by surprise. And I think that it's hard to, to say that the, you know, that the, the receivers in the, in the, and they won't have a um, Green Bay's receivers and in, in the, in the mobility and the offensive line of Green Bay won't be able to, um, disrupt the defense of the Bills a bit more than than Minnesota did. So I think that's fair. I'm actually what I'm really hoping for is a close game either way, because all these games have been blowouts, and I'm interested to see what Josh Allen and this team are like in a close game. I'm itching to see that. Like you know, can he is he you know is was it all you know because it was very favorable for him. It was very set up, and he took advantage of it, and that's great. That's part of being an NFL player is you know putting your throat on putting your foot on the throat of a, of somebody else. But on the other hand, I also want to see like, what, what can you do when, when the chips are down a little or, or you, you need a first down to, to hold a game. I'm interested to see that. So 
Um, if you're interested to see that, you can let us know at bbillsmny on Twitter or bbillsmny at gmail.com if you want to send us a long email. We're on Facebook at facebook.com sorry, facebook.com backslash bbillsmny or slash bbillsmny as I was corrected last week. Um, what else? Uh, you can find us anchor.fm. Search Buffalo Bills maybe maybe next year. Well, we still post our podcast there, even though we don't use their terrible, terrible app. But you don't have to do that. You can go to iTunes or anywhere you listen to to podcasts. You can find us. Just cool, uh, Google Buffalo Bills podcast. You'll find us. Um, what? Uh, that's about it. We're gonna do that. I'm not gonna watch the game live on Sunday. I'll let you know that now. We ha I have I have plans for Sunday, so I'll be watching the the replay. Um, I hope you guys get to watch it, and then it's it's fun. That's what I have to say about that for, for you and you and Scott, you Paul and Scott, not just. The yeah, definitely, it'll be my my. About that. You know what's funny is it's my first one p.m. game of the season. Right. And they played the Ravens and the Chargers. It was seven p.m. and when last week it was noon. So it'll be nice for me to be settling in at a normal time to watch them play. Very nice. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you then that it'll be a nice right. Sunday afternoon. Until then, thank you so much for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. My name is Frank. I'm Paul. And, and Scott. I'm Scott. Yep. Good night, everyone. <laughs>